0: Welcome to LCGC's podcast, Hormone Analysis by LCMS and Water Impact. This podcast is brought to you by Millipore Sigma. Millipore Sigma, the U.S. life science business of Merck KGAA Darmstadt, Germany, has 19,000 employees and 72 manufacturing sites worldwide. They also have a portfolio of more than 300,000 products enabling scientific discovery. Merck KGAA Darmstadt, Germany, completed its $17 billion acquisition of Sigma Aldrich in November of 2015, creating a leader in the $130 billion global life science industry. And now, here's your host for this podcast, Carrie Hallenberg.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Carrie Hallenberg, and I'm here with Joseph Plurad, North America Field Marketing Manager at Millipore Sigma. Thanks for being here today, Joseph.
2: And thank you and our listeners for having me back.
1: Well, to get started, I know we've heard it before, but briefly, why is water quality important in liquid chromatography and mass spectrometry?
2: Well, as we've indicated in past podcasts, water is probably the most used chemical in a laboratory. In liquid chromatography and mass spectrometry, water is used throughout the application workflow, including sample and standard preparation, as well as in the eluent. So any contaminants that remain in the purified water you use that have a direct impact on the separation or in the detection can be of concern. Also specific to our topic today, if there are any traces or residuals of the molecules you're trying to analyze in the water you're using, you may see some inaccurate results. So in a nutshell, the quality of water you use is important to avoid interference with the analytes you're measuring or identifying as well as to optimize the instrument operation.
1: Thanks. And which specific contaminants can influence or affect the LCMS process?
2: Well, in addition to making sure that the molecules you're measuring or identifying aren't in the water you use, here are some of the contaminants that need to be managed when doing LCMS. Probably the most obvious are organics. In LCMS, they're typically what you're looking for in the first place. So, reduction to trace levels is key, particularly if the organics are similar to what you're analyzing. Water that's heavy in organics could also cause issues with column efficiency by coating the separation media, resulting in poor peak resolution and shifting peaks. Ions could be a problem as well. As we've discussed in previous podcasts, certain metals can create adducts resulting in a noisy mass spec. Particle-free water is important to assure proper flow through the system and with shrinking columns and tubing as well as improvements and changes to separation media along with higher pressures, the impact of particles clogging in LCMS become even more magnified. And then finally, bacterial contamination is sort of a two-headed monster. On one side, they behave as particles, so you do run the risk of blocking and clogging tubing or columns. And on the other side, as the bacteria die off, they leach out and reintroduce various organic and ionic contaminants back into the previously clean water.
1: Uh, Switching to the work Millipore Sigma completed, why is there a lot of interest in analyzing for hormones in water today? And how and why did you pick the water samples to analyze?
2: It's a good question. And uh, in the last 20 years or so, there have been quite a bit of attention given to the concepts of what's called persistent organic pollutants in drinking water sources. Some of the original focus in this area had been on organic molecules and species that came from so-called chemical sources like pesticides and solvents. But uh, with the advances in healthcare, pharmaceutical sources of these persistent organic pollutants becomes more significant. As many of our listeners, particularly in North America may remember, we were told to dispose of our expired or unused pharmaceuticals by flushing them down the toilet, which in retrospect may not have been the best idea because this water, now carrying these drugs, eventually finds its way back into the municipal drinking water supply. And with the escalation and more common use of hormone-based therapies like topical steroid usage, birth control, and hormone replacement therapies, there could be long-term effects if these therapeutics find their way into drinking water, including influencing or impacting human fertility, actual embryo development, as well as endocrine and other general health issues. Because of this direct health impact, there's extreme interest in identifying what's in the water and at what levels to determine whether there's an imminent or even long-term health risk. Now, because our lab water systems rely on potable tap water as a feed water source and are used throughout the world, we felt it was important to determine what influence these hormones would have on our ability to provide ultra-pure water. And then we wanted to demonstrate that our purification techniques can provide suitable high-purity water for the detection of hormones in drinking water via uh, LCMS. So basically, we needed to know, first, what's in the water, and then second, show that we were able to effectively remove them, proving that high-purity water from our systems can be used for the analysis. As this is a global issue, issue And because we have lab water systems throughout the world, we selected drinking water samples from various geographies, including China, France, and Spain. And to be clear, we're not stating that these reflect the overall water qualities in these countries, nor are we making any suggestions as to the safety or suitability of the drinking water sources. These are single points of analysis chosen to show that the problem exists to some degree everywhere.
1: And what are the challenges in analyzing hormones at trace levels?
2: Yeah, the biggest challenges in doing this kind of analysis are that we found that these hormones are everywhere and simple or single-stage purification techniques may not be effective in removing them. Consider deionization, for example. As a purification technique, it can only work on those contaminants that have an electrical charge to them. Most organics are neutral or are very weakly charged, so this purification technique is not as effective at removing these contaminants. Or you could consider reverse osmosis, though this is a so-called workhorse in water purification. Well operating RO systems will only remove 95 to 99 percent of the contaminants in the water feeding that membrane. That does mean that in those water systems that have relatively higher levels of these persistent contaminants, you can expect to see some residual uh, residual contaminants post purification. So clearly, as we discussed. A combination of techniques is required to ensure the full removal of these molecules and to have water free of hormone residues for the analytical work that you're doing. And in this case, we can consider purification that includes activated carbon, reverse osmosis, UV photo oxidation of organics, and then ion exchange. And if that's still not enough, we can consider other purification media at the point of use, like additional activated carbon that targets very specific contaminants.
1: And what were the results of your analyses?
2: So at this point, it probably shouldn't come as some surprise that we did find hormones in all of the water sources we tested. Uh, it stands to reason that even in or maybe especially in highly industrialized and developed countries that you can or should probably expect to see various hormones at various levels. More specifically to the work that our R&D, the R&D team did, uh, we found Androsterone and estradiol in the city water sources in France and Spain, while corticosterone was detected in China. And again, I have to reiterate that this is municipal drinking water in specific locations. It's understood that the water samples we took are safe and suitable and approved for human consumption. I think the point here is that agencies worldwide recognize the existence of this issue and are Taking a hard look at the long-term effects and impacts of having these molecules in the drinking water, and from our perspective at Millipore Sigma, the combination of purification processes embedded in a Millipore water purification system allow us to provide hormone-free lab water for the LCMS techniques used to analyze for these contaminants.
1: Interesting. Uh, clearly, the sensitivity of analysis is constantly improving. How is Millipore Sigma responding to this laboratory market demand?
2: Well, increasing levels of sensitivity in most analytical, te- analytical techniques is putting a lot of pressure on instrument companies, as well as those providers that support those techniques, like Millipore Sigma, we now have scientists that are able to analyze and quantify trace levels of contaminants that are far below the detection limits provided by traditional quality measures for ultra-pure water, uh, in fact, by orders of magnitude at this point. So in the meantime, Millipore Sigma continues to develop more efficient means to remove general classes of contaminants and also continues to develop and introduce purification packs that are adapted to remove very specific classes of molecules at the actual point of use. Being able to control the purification process 100% from tap water feeding the water purification unit also gives users the best chance at controlling and managing the impact of persistent contaminants. This then affords the users the most flexibility and customization to meet the needs of their analytical methods and their lab requirements.
1: Thank you for that overview, Joseph. We appreciate you being here today. This has been Kerry Hollenberg. Thanks to everyone for
0: listening. You've been listening to LCGC's podcast, Hormone Analysis by LCMS and Water Impact. This podcast was brought to you by Melipore Sigma.